Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we are so excited to have development expert Dr. Catherine here to chat with us. Dr. Catherine is a pediatrician of over 30 years, a trained midwife, a mother of four, and a two-time author. She has devoted her life to helping parents raise happy, healthy, and successful children. We are so inspired by her and her work. Today, we'll be chatting about some tools we as parents can use to help raising a toddler as well as the best tips and tricks to navigate toddler behavior and become the parent every kid wants. We are so excited to dive in, so let's welcome Dr. Catherine to learn more. Hi, Dr. Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us today and being our guest on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you. It's very kind of you. Oh, it is our pleasure. And Dr. Catherine, we really would love to learn a bit about you and your background and how that led you to where you are today. So I'm a general and consulting pediatrician, and I've been in practice for about 32 years. Before that, I was a trained midwife, and I had thought I would go into obstetrics and then fell in love with working with kids and have never regretted the decision of pivoting. Oh, that is amazing. When I realized, so I've just thought of you as this rock star pediatrician. And then when I learned that you're also a trained midwife, I was like, oh my gosh, I love her even more. I had a <laughs> midwife for my two babies. I had home births. And so anyway, I just thought that was so cool to learn about you. And, and I'm curious, how did you begin to learn about and focus on child development? It's inevitable as a pediatrician because uh, so much of your time is spent talking about kids and, you know, the problems parents have in raising them. And at that time, I also, you know, at the beginning of my practice, my kids were the same age as my patients' kids. And so what I didn't learn in medical school and, and pediatric training, I learned, you know, through being a mom and through working with a gazillion other parents. And there was a lot I didn't learn in medical school. Like they focus more on all the extremes and the day-to-day stuff that we all go through was something you learn from doing it and you learn from working with people and going through their problems with them. Of course. And for 32 years, I'm sure you've seen it all or almost all of it. (laughs) At this point, I have big part of my practice is moms that I looked after as babies who have now gone through preschool and school and university and becoming new moms themselves. And they're now back with their babies. So it's been a great opportunity to see in practice the things that we say and recommend, but you can watch when you see a whole you know generation grow up. That is so cool. What a full circle yeah. experience. That must be, how is that for you? Like when you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that's what being a pediatrician in, for me has been all about is watching kids grow and being a part of their lives. Oh, that's so amazing and beautiful. And as you know, <laughs> you're very familiar with being a mom of four and a pediatrician. Yes. The toddler years can be, let's just say it, challenging <laughs> to say the least. How do you recommend parents begin to understand their toddlers and what is going through their minds? I think it's a really important step to learn to just pause for a second and think and think about what is my toddler or young child going through in this moment. And when you start to do that, and I I don't mean for a long time, I mean a second or two, when you start to do that, 
you begin to see things from their perspective and you learn what the solutions are. And they're sometimes just very practical things like maybe he's overtired or bored or lonely or, you know, frustrated in, in ways that can be solved simply. Yeah. And I feel like in those moments though, we just think, oh, it's not that big a deal. Brush it off. But for them, it really is a big deal. Can you explain kind of the thought process along those lines? I think it's the difference between responding and reacting. Like when, let's face it, you know, it's hard to be a mom of, of young kids and there's a lot of just emotional reaction. But when you stop and think for a second, you realize, oh, you know, maybe it's not that my child's acting up because they're not a good kid or they're being bad. It's because they're tired or bored or hungry or lonely. Using shopping, for an example, let's say you're out shopping and your child is starting to lose it. Well, if you stop for just one second and think, okay, sitting in this perhaps not most comfortable cart, surrounded by super amount of stimulation, not being talked to, not involved in anything, it gets boring. And when you realize that, you know, it's so simple to change, you know, just start to include your child. Can you help me pick the heaviest orange or, you know, the yellowest banana? It's an easy solution when you learn to stop and think for a moment about your kid's perspective. I love that. That's beautiful. And I think parents often worry that they are not doing enough or not doing the right things to help their children as they learn and develop. Dr. Catherine, what are some realistic expectations that parents of toddlers can set for themselves? I think number one is to uh, not be so hard on yourself. Like parents are so hard on themselves. And I must say, after working with tens of thousands of parents, parents are the most wonderful people in the world and will do anything for their kids and don't give themselves nearly enough credit. So my first thing would be, you're probably already doing a lot more than you need to be doing and, you know, give yourself a pat on the back instead of criticism. Oh, I think every parent needs to hear that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some realistic expectations that parents of toddlers can set for themselves? What are some realistic expectations that I can set for myself, me, even though I may be frustrated with my little toddler? I think one thing, maybe it's not so much an expectation, but a step is you can learn to respond instead of react by taking one second and don't say a word after your child does something and using that one second to ground yourself or deep breathe or think for a second. But if you give yourself the expectation that you can yell less by literally doing nothing, you will find it makes a huge difference. That is fascinating to me. The yelling less. (laughs) Can you kind of expand upon that? I'm I'm curious to, to learn more about that tip. So most of us, and definitely myself included, that's for sure, our knee-jerk reaction when we're not getting what we want is to yell and then yell louder and then yell louder and then eventually blow. But that's where we're on autopilot. But you can move out of autopilot. And autopilot has a lot to do with how you're feeling on that time, how much sleep you've had, and how you were parented. But you can move out of that knee-jerk reaction and into more thoughtful ways of interacting with your kids if you literally create a space between their behavior and your response to it. And so I really encourage parents to learn to pause a second, two seconds, you know, just to get out of the knee-jerk response and more into a thoughtful reaction. 
That's such a cool tip to really just take a pause when you're feeling yourself, maybe things are boiling up, you're wanting to explode. Yes, you you just have to take that pause, take that breath, and then rethink, okay, let's be the adult and, and calm down the situation. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as literally just creating a space between the behavior and your reaction. And that space can make, and it, it's a second, two seconds can make a huge difference. So one expectation, so to speak, would be to learn to, to pause. That's such a cool tip. Oh, man. And in your opinion, Dr. Catherine, I want to know, what is the best approach for parenting toddlers? I think a middle-of-the-road approach is actually the best. I'm not a great fan of fear-based, which is really what my generation of parents were doing. And I don't love the permissive parenting either, because I've seen a lot of kids raised with permissive parenting and I'm not sure it's best in, in a child's best interest. So I like more of a gentle, but still firm, like I think kids still need to learn to listen and need to learn the limits. And really, they need you to be the boss. And so I like a gentle, firm approach. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah. you can be both. You can be both. Yes. I think that's encouraging for people that... Um, if you're trying to do a more gentle approach to parenting that yes you it's it's recommended to still set boundaries and yes. be firm on certain things because you are the parent it's not just like you said permissive yeah i think that's where things get really confusing i think people think gentle and they think permissive but there is a way actually to still be firm and and provide the boundaries that kids need and the limits that they need So what challenges do you see most often when it comes to raising toddlers? So Dr. Catherine, what are, what are your, and what are your strategies for overcoming those challenges? So of course, tantrums are a big challenge, Um, losing our temper, yelling too much or yelling more than we'd like, and really beating yourself up for how you respond and, and are managing things with your child. And The first thing I would say is learning to take that moment and pause to think about your child and what they're going through is helpful and really focusing on understanding them and letting them know. So for instance, you know, when they're, they just threw a toy and you're would like to lose it, you know, just saying something as simple as you're really angry that your brother took your toy or for whatever reason that that um, your child threw the toy, letting them know you understand how they're feeling is an incredibly powerful way of helping the next step, which is setting the boundary. Kids are much more receptive to hearing limits when you've started off with understanding that you get how they're feeling and it matters to you. Yeah. And I can understand that as a child being validated, like, okay, they are seeing me in my weak moment, and they still love me in my weak moments. And we're going to get through this. (laughs) Because I think that's another thing that maybe they, the toddlers are are fearful that do you still love me even when I'm not listening, even when I'm breaking the rules or or whatever it is. That's when they need it the most. That's when they need your calmness and understanding the most. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that quote. I love that quote. The children who need your love and attention the most will ask for it in the most unloving ways. Yeah, that's exactly, that's a great quote. Yeah. So, and 
Now I want to know, Dr. Catherine, what do you believe are the top wants and needs of toddlers? And how can we as parents achieve these in realistic ways? Top want would be they want your love and they want your understanding. And you can meet those very easily. Sometimes we get into these cycles where we forget to give the positive and are so focused on the negative. And so I always talk with my patients about giving emotional vitamins. And that means like 10 times a day to, you know, make sure you've whispered, I love you or printed in the air with the older children, but just ways of letting them know that you, you don't assume they know they love you, let them know they love you. And different kids need to hear it different ways. And you'll discover which way works best with your child. That's such a great tip. I'm also thinking of kind of, yes, the whispering, I love you, but almost like a love tap, like, you know, rubbing their shoulders or giving them a hug or a kiss or that sort of thing. It doesn't have to be just verbal. That's right. Because everybody's different. Some kids don't want to hear it. And some kids just eye contact, getting down to their level and, and being with them for a moment. But I think it's really important not to just focus on discipline and misbehavior and to remember to give these love vitamins. Oh, that's so beautiful. I I love that. Is there anything else that we need to be mindful of that children really need and want? Or I should say toddlers? They need you to be the boss. They really need their parents. You know, often we think or we feel bad when we set limits, but they need us to set the limits for them. It's scary to be in control and they feel better when They may not act like they feel better, but kids overall do better and don't have anxiety if you are being the firm boss. Yeah. Even when they fight you against it, right? Exactly. (laughs) And they they are going to fight you. That's the thing is another thing that's important is to realize kids, they don't know the limits. Even when you set them, they're going to test them and make sure, are you really kidding or you're not kidding? And so- Having realistic expectations is hugely important of your kids. And one of those would be to expect them to challenge you left and right. Yeah. Yeah. And now I want to know, I have a very, what is it called? Free-spirited child. One of those hard-headed, he knows what he wants and he'll test all of your boundaries. I think we all get one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm curious in those moments, what do you do with those children who just keep testing the boundaries? What are your tips? I would be very consistent and do the same thing each time so that your child knows this is going to be the reaction. And so I do like the first acknowledging the feelings, but not accepting the behavior. And it doesn't have to be a big, long discussion. Like I would encourage you don't make it long. Just, you know, you're really angry. I get it, but it's still not okay. Right. That's helpful because yes, for any listeners out there who relates to my struggle that I just shared, it can be exhausting when they keep trying and keep trying. And I'm like, it's been 30 minutes. How are you still (laughs) at this, bud? We've talked about it. So sometimes in that situation, also just picking them up and going into a different room, um, you know, just changing the scenery can be helpful as well. But it's important to remember the positive side of the persistence, that those are kids that really never give up. And that's a wonderful quality, just really hard when they're young. Right. I keep reminding myself, I'm like, this will serve you well as an adult, but man, I have to get through your childhood (laughs) with this. Absolutely. Oh, man. And we touched on this briefly, Dr. Catherine, toddler tantrums. They're inevitable. 
Can you elaborate on what is going through a toddler's mind during a tantrum and what parents can do to help them feel better? So the first thing is just to realize that toddlers are not little adults. We sometimes think they are and we assume they think and feel like we do, but they don't. And because their brain is still under construction, they have the emotional side is really running the show. But the other side that can sort of say, oh, I don't need to get so upset about this, that's not working. And so you have to expect there's going to be really good emotional outbursts. But I think one of the most important things about tantrums is we think of our kids over there as having a tantrum and don't realize how much we contribute to the tantrum, that it's like a dance. And you can't change your child's part of the tantrum. But by changing your own end of it, you make a huge difference in the tantrum. So if you're able to keep your cool, use a mantra in your head or step out of the room if your child's safe, you know, you do whatever you need to do to keep yourself calm because bringing calm to it will really reduce the intensity of tantrums. Maybe not that tantrum that moment, but the next one and the next one. So try to think of them as a dance between two people and control your steps You can't control your child's, but you can control yours, and it'll have a huge impact on your child's. That's so wonderful. And I now want to know, okay, we've gotten our calm and are keeping our cool during this tantrum in the middle of Target. What do we do do then Uh, rather than just like, okay, I'm staying calm. What do we tell our child to help them feel better? So if we're talking about a public tantrum, that's going to be a little different than an at-home tantrum. Let's talk about them both. I'd love to know what you think about both. Well, for a public tantrum, number one is I'd really focus on prepping your kids before going to Target so that they know exactly what's going to happen. I'd also keep it really short and sweet. I think with toddlers, it's all about being proactive and prepping. Like you can avoid so many tantrums by involving them in the trip, slowing down the trip, shortening the trip. But don't assume they're just going to sit there and be quiet because they're not. But realistically, you know, when you have all these people watching and it feels like it's the paparazzi there, I would just pick up your little one and tell them the same thing. You're really upset. I get it. Let's go somewhere where it's quiet. And you just go to wherever you can get out of the center of attention. But that tantrum still has to run its course. You know, you can't stop it or shorten it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're at home, what should we do the same thing? At home, I wouldn't pick up and go somewhere. I would just, I'd stay near your child and let them know. You don't have to, this is a great time, pick up your phone, look at things on, you know, that you haven't had the moment to do, but still be there. And you can just, "Mm -hmm, I love you, sweetheart, I get it. Or stay quiet as things run its course. You can't really, you don't want to get involved mid-tantrum. It often just really gets a child feeling worse. You have to wait till they get into that sort of sad, whiny phase of the tantrum. Tantrums actually do have these phases that you can identify, that really angry phase and then the sad phase. How long do those phases typically, do you think, that it's per child, it's like two seconds? Right, right, yeah. But usually once they hit the floor and stop, start rolling around on the floor, the the tone of the cry changes and becomes Mm -hmm. more whiny. Mm -hmm. Kids are more open to hearing something when they hit the sad, whiny part than at the peak of things where things are more wild. 
Well, that is, that's really cool because then we can kind of keep in our minds, oh, we're at that peak right now, yes. but soon we're going to be in this next stage and then maybe we can have a conversation now. Yeah. Like, hey, bud, I, I understand that you're upset. Let's talk about it and let's understand that these are still the rules, but- I say as little as possible during a tantrum, like don't use okay. it to teach a lesson, just okay. it's not okay to throw. Use your lesson when everybody's calm and feeling fine. That's super helpful. Yeah. Great tips. And now I'm curious, what are your biggest don'ts when it comes to parenting a toddler? So my first don't would be don't have unrealistic expectations. And it's really easy to have unrealistic expectations. When kids were little, you really follow their milestones. You know, everybody knows when sitting and walking happen, but people don't know. There's not as much discussion about milestones as kids get older especially around social, emotional milestones. So I think fixing some of those milestones, such as kids don't have impulse control till about three and a half to four years of age, and kids don't share, don't understand sharing till three and a half to four, and they can't control their emotions until that time. So if you really understand that, it helps you to be more realistic in terms of you know, going to the doctor's office, what can I expect out of my child? Mm -hmm. Well, you Mm -hmm. can't expect them to sit quietly while you talk to the doctor, it's not going to happen. So that would be one thing. The other is fear based discipline. Like I am not a fan of that. I have seen both short term, short term, it always looks like it's working, but long term, and that's what we should be looking at as the long term. Don't think it helps kids self confidence or self esteem or your relationship with them. So I would really avoid fear-based discipline. Can you explain some methods that involve fear-based discipline? So fear-based is anything that, that you're trying to get your child basically scared so that they'll listen. So I'm going to do this if you don't do that. Sending them to the room, spanking, you listen to me uh, or else we're going to turn around the car. Anything that is driven by you trying to scare them into behaving. We often don't think of it like that, but if you do start to notice, you'll see some of the time that is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Not intentionally, Mm -hmm. but because that's how most parents, this generation parents were raised. Right, right. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you clarified that because when you initially said that fear-based, I immediately just thought of you're going to get spanked or going to stay in your room and you don't get dinner or something yes. something a little bit more extreme yes, rather yes. than saying, oh, we're turning the car around. I didn't even think like, oh, that is a fear tactic. So in that situation, what would you recommend that a parent do? And if someone, like you said, in the car, something's happening and you need to parent, what's the best way to approach that? I probably would pull over, first of all, if it's that out of control. Mm -hmm. And I would do the same thing, which is, you know, you're really upset. You dropped your ice cream. I get it. But it's not okay to kick the back of my chair while we're driving. I like this little technique to get kids out of a tantrum or a mood, which is you think in imagination about how to solve the problem. So for instance, let's say the child dropped their ice cream, you would say, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just reach our arm to the ice cream store and get another ice cream? Some way of still satisfying what they are upset about, but obviously they're not, it's not you giving in or giving them something. It's just helping budge them out of where they are in their head. 
Right. That's cool because I immediately am thinking, oh, if my son dropped his ice cream, he'd be like, I need another one. I need another one. Sorry, buddy. We can't get another one. I need it. And then I immediately just think, okay, redirect, do something different, (laughs) you know? Exactly. But acknowledging them and saying, okay, I know that that's so frustrating and saying like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could do that? Unfortunately, we can't. You don't even have to do the unfortunately we can't. You can just sort of go through getting an ice cream imagination in your imagination, like what color are you going to get? How many scoops? Oh, that'll be fun the next time we go or, you know, something like that. That's such a cool tip. I appreciate that. Oh, man. And now, Dr. Catherine, what are your top tips for helping parents just survive and thrive during these toddler stages? Top tips would be get enough sleep, like make sleep a priority. And I'm not, I'm serious about it because behavioral problems are often from kids, not often, but sometimes kids that aren't sleeping enough uh, have behavioral problems. And so that's always something that I look at when, when parents are struggling. So make sleep important. Again, have realistic expectations for your kids. We talked about pausing. I think it's really important to think to yourself, I want to stay on the same team as my kid. We're on the same side of the fence. And if you think of that and approach problems that way, you avoid a lot of conflict with your kids. And I think also probably the most important point of all is having said all these things, we have to be realistic. Nobody's going to do this all the time. Nobody can do this all the time. And you should not beat yourself up if you're not the gentle parent all the time. And all of us making these recommendations, it's not expected that you can do it all the time. Sometimes you're in a hurry. So, or, you know, a million other reasons why you can't be gentle. And I think parents really give themselves a hard time about that. And I think it's important not to. Yeah. Yeah. We're all doing the best that we can. I think as long as you're going in with good intentions and that you're trying, you're doing a great job. You know, you're doing your best. You're human and kids want humans. Yes. Yes. Prepping kids is very important as well. And so that would be another tip is to make that a, a big priority, even for little things like going to the park. One thing my family, we always did when our kids were little is we always left things when the kids were still happy. We didn't wait for things to degenerate because I wanted them to have good memories of the park or a party. And so I think keeping an eye on what the temperature of your kid's behavior is, is important. I think also not feeling like you need to fix a kid's feelings, that it's okay for them to be upset. That's something I personally had a really hard time with because, you know, as a doctor, you're always fixing the problems and I had to learn not to fix them and I'm sure parents struggle in the same way. Nobody likes to see their kid upset, but I would let kids have all the feelings. Yeah. Be there during those big emotions. Yeah. Oh, it can, just even being there and being present during those moments, it can be hard on the parent witnessing them struggle, but um, it means a lot to them that they see you still supporting them through the highs and lows. And accepting, you know, I think that's probably something we and your generation, my generation didn't learn that it's okay to have to be upset. It's, you know, use it as a sign to do better in the future and do things differently. But I think it'll make a difference with kids. It does make a difference when they are allowed their feelings. Yeah, I would like to ask or point out 
as well as boys. I feel like we are a bit more permissive on girls uh, showing their feelings, but also allowing our boys to share their point. You know, absolutely. I I feel like I see like, suck it up. We don't do that. Don't show that emotion. But girls were a little bit softer with. Do you agree? Or what are your thoughts on that? That's a very good point. It's really hard, especially it's hard for dads, you know, to to allow their their kids to have those feelings, but it's certainly important and worth if we want to help our kids develop good self-esteem, good self-confidence and and resilience, it will be worth the effort of not stepping in and trying to stop them from being upset or crying. Yeah. And what would you tell dads? Because that's such a good point that, yeah, they were probably raised you know, when they were growing up that, you know, boys don't show these emotions, what would you tell dads now? So when I had these kind of conversations, it's to look at how they're treating their girls versus the boys and, you know, to try and let their girls take risks in the same way that they let their son go those extra steps higher. You know, not that I'm uh, suggesting risky behavior, but that they are overly cautious with girls and, and push their boys so that, you know, to try to look at both how you're treating your girls and your boys and treat them as children, not girls or boys. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like my husband and I, we have a four-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter, and I can see already the difference (laughs) between how he approaches things with our son versus how he approaches things with our daughter. Obviously they're at different age ranges as well, but I think that there is a a gender difference playing there as well. Well, even so much as, you know, I used to encourage kids to bring a toy, a teddy bear or something with them to the office on days of having needles and, you know, girls would bring them and boys wouldn't. And, so there's lots of, of examples or girls wanting to play with the trucks. You know, it's funny. These things haven't changed since my kids who are now in their 30s were kids. I'm having the same conversations. So hopefully this newer generation, you younger parents will be able to make the difference. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because obviously we're big fans of you in general, but your Instagram too is so helpful and cool. I love your quote on your Instagram, helping you become the parent every kid wants. I I just love that. What are your tips on how we can, as parents, become the parent every kid wants? When you think of it, I think, again, every kid wants to be loved and appreciated, to have fun. And to be also parented, to have the limits. And I think a really important part is just learning not to react to your toddler and learning to see them as the absolutely amazing, fun uh, little people that they are. And part of that is just realizing they are not little adults. They really aren't. And they're brains aren't yet fully developed. They really are under construction as much as that term is just a cute one. It's also a true one. And so I'd make sure you give them all that love and attention, but at the same time, let them know the limits as that gentle, firm approach with the gentle, firm approach. Yeah. And Again, I would say put yourself in your kids' shoes as many times a day as possible. Whenever there's conflict, just take a quick step into their shoes for a moment and see their world. And 
Dr. Catherine, with your Instagram that I've just mentioned, what inspired you to start that your account and share these really cool and helpful tips for parents? In the office, it runs so quickly that these are the things I always want to talk about and don't have time. And as terrible as that sounds, but um, it's the reality. You know, when kids are sick, that takes the priority. Of course. And so this turned out to be a way I found was both fun and gave me the opportunity to share that other level of parenting that uh, isn't always possible with your doctor. Have you enjoyed this side of social media, sharing your, your expertise, or what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, one is I worry that parents aren't getting the message that this is how you are all the, you know, this is what you're meant to do every moment. So my worry is that it puts more pressure on parents, Mm. but I really love the education part of it. And even though I'm obviously not the age range for social, for Instagram, or I don't feel like I am, I have loved the community sense of uh, sharing and, and I love teaching parents and sharing with parents. Well, Dr. Catherine, I have to disagree with you because I think it's ageless and your information and your community has been just wonderful. So please, as some advice from me, do not ever feel that way because provide so much value and so much comfort and education. So keep doing what you're doing. We (laughs) just love it. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm curious, Dr. Catherine, what resources do you recommend that our listeners look into to learn more? about raising toddlers? I was thinking you would probably ask me something like that. And I thought about it. And what I'd really like to tell parents is not another book to read or another blog to read, but to watch their kids. Their kids will tell, watching your own child will tell you how you're doing. And so I'd encourage you to read your child as opposed to more Instagram or more books or blogs is really learn to listen and observe your kids. Oh, that's awesome. And but what if you're reading your child and you're like, oh no, I've I've made a mistake. There are a lot of issues. What what should a parent do? Well, I if you want the name of a book or I love uh, the No Drama Discipline. Yes. Daniel Siegel. I love his books and I think they go in t- and Tina Bryson, sorry. And they go into great detail about what's actually happening happening at the level of the brain and Somehow knowing that makes it easier to to not only understand your child, but to reinterpret their behavior and kinder ways that don't make you feel as angry. Yes, so, I totally agree. I love their books. We're actually having yeah. Tina on the podcast in a couple of weeks. We're so excited all about the whole brain child and yes. the no drama discipline. So I'm so glad you pointed out those great resources. That's the way to go these days is to get that level of understanding. Understanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so wonderful. And any final thoughts or advice that you would like to leave our listeners? Well, I really encourage parents just to trust themselves and to recognize the good that they're doing and the wonderful things they're doing instead of looking at the few times a day when they blow it and yell because we all do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that I, I also want to add that Children are so forgiving and so loving, Mm -hmm. even when we lose it. So as long as I hold myself accountable and say, you know what, I'm sorry, mommy lost her cool and owning my part of what happened, children are so forgiving and they love you through it too. It's great that you say that because apologizing 
it's such an important lesson, not only for ourselves to be able Mm -hmm. to apologize, but our kids learn such a strong lesson about you as a person and also how to apologize. Yes, which I think is a sometimes a lost art. People yeah. don't know how to apologize sometimes, and I think that that's a great way to teach them is by mm-hmm. uh, by mirroring it. Actually, while we're talking about this, if I look back and, as a parent and look at my own kids who are now all adults, I think probably the strongest lesson they learned wasn't the words that we said; it was how we lived our lives and interacted with the world and. You know, I can see my husband 100% in my son and all the wonderful qualities. And so it's really important to be a good example. As difficult as it is to think that, it makes a huge difference. Even just like how you talk to waitresses or service people or whether you hold the door, these little tiny lessons add up and add up and add up. It's such, I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you, because I completely agree, and that's extremely helpful. And Dr. Catherine, do you have anything new and exciting going on that we need to know about? I do have a course that I designed for parents called Toddlers Made Easy, and it's actually coming out tomorrow. Oh, yay! So it'll be live when you guys listen. <laughs> it'll be live. And I created this course just because I really wanted to help parents with that area that I feel that there hasn't been enough attention to, which is understanding your kid and knowing how to be the gentle but firm parent. Oh, that is so wonderful. How long is this class? Wait, give us some more details. It's an online class and it's probably takes total six hours-ish. I'm not exactly sure. And there's lessons on bedtime and picky eating and siblings and how to prepare your kids and how to deal with tantrums and also realistic expectations for for toddlers. Oh, that's so wonderful. Where can our listeners find this course? They can get the link to the through my bio on Instagram at healthiest underscore baby. Fantastic. That is so wonderful. And that was my next question. I was going to say, where can our listeners find you, Dr. Catherine? Yeah. So my page is at healthiest baby, but it's at healthiest underscore baby. Fantastic. Oh, this was super informative. Thank you again, Dr. Catherine, for sharing your expertise and passion with us. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. It's been really nice talking with you. Yes. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Dr. Catherine, you can visit her on the web at healthiest-baby.com or on Instagram at healthiest underscore baby. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comment section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to being the parent every kid wants.